Hello and welcome to another episode of Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And you are listening to the third most popular Raiders podcast. We're assuming we're still third. Yeah, there are four out there. We could be fourth, but we're going to claim that we're the third. Coming to you, uh, recorded from the messiest storeroom somewhere in Civic, the location of which we will never reveal. Will we, Blake? Definitely not. No, Definitely we won't. Not. We won't reveal it. We won't reveal it. But it is the foulest and messiest storeroom I've ever been in, people. Um, but uh, good results. You've led a sheltered. You've obviously led a sheltered life, then, Tim. It's far worse ones than this. Anyway, yes, good results a good and result. uh, top four, baby. Top four, yeah, and look. And you can always laugh, you know, that top four and stuff at the beginning of the season, no such thing as an April Premier or an April finalist or anything like this. But look, I just uh, want to say that this time last year, after five rounds, we were one and one and four. We'd lost four matches, we'd won one. Well, that's what I was saying leading into the game against um, the Eels, that who'd have thought that was probably like the one of the most exciting games of the round, if mm. not the game of the round. Yeah. And... That, at the same time last year, both teams were 0 and 5, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 0 and 4. Oh, 0 and 4, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. But, and written off and gone for the season. And this season, although there's still a bit of a log jam, uh, the but Raiders. If you, if you look at the top four, mm. it's, well, let's just assume Storm are going to be there. I think we Bruce can safely assume there. the Storm are going to be there, yep. Souths are going to be there. Yep. And fourth spot, you know, that's. It's, it's ours for the taking. <laughs> it's ours for the taking. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure I like your optimism this much. I'm, I'm standing back and not being unhappy with what's going on. But, you know, each match, each match is it, it's its own little mission. Well, a lot of the other sort of early, you know, pre-season top form um, tips or contenders are, are well and truly off the pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, mean, a lot and of people you had see that... Manly, who I thought was going to be right down the bottom, yeah. sitting there and, and, and thinking to yourself, and West Tigers look better. And Penrith, who I thought was going to be the real deal this season, looked like a, a box of poo. Yes, well, Penrith can still they can still turn games around. They can. And, they've and got a look, great draw, and also they've looked pretty ordinary in some of those games, and they're yeah. still almost you know they have won or almost won some of them. So yeah, well, I think they've lost a few too many players in there. You know, Trent Merrin, Corey Hawirinara, and you just start thinking to yourself, well, did they make the right choices? Did they make the right choices? But um, look, highlights for that game for me, I'm going to say, look, Joey Lelua continues to be good. Like, he has come into this season in the best physical shape I have ever seen him yeah. in. Yeah. And he is paying attention, and he is clearly committed, and my God, does it make a difference. He's really missing a tackle now. Also, uh, too, I think, you know, you're going to get the odd um, elbow to the head of an opponent, mm. but um, he generally seems to be um, a bit more focused, and, and he does seem as though he's on his best behaviour. He does, and, and it's really making a freaking difference, is it not? Like, he's really, really playing well, and I'm really happy to see it. Jared Croker, great He had a great game. game, yeah, great game against... Yeah, but it wasn't just an attack where he was good and he was constantly trying to get on the outside of players and looking really good and stump like, mate, fantastic metres, doing great offloads. But it was defence. Yeah. He was fantastic Well, I mean, obviously the defence has been the big feature of the season to date. I mean, that's the second game against the Eels, second time we've shut out a team to zero mm. in, in the season, which is something you, know, you don't recall yeah. ever happening at all. Two unicorns. Um <laughs> During the off season, they, they obviously they came out and said we've really been working on the defence, and quite often you hear teams oh it's the say hardest that. off season ever, you yeah, know, and then they're getting yeah. beaten by sixty points, and, yeah, yeah. and you hear teams saying that they're working on their defence. It actually seems to be true. It actually seems mm. to be paying off. Mm. And look, you know, that game against the Eels was won totally on the back of our defence, mm. um, and just the hurting that was put on, mm. just the, the whacking, it was brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was brutal. There was there was a, there was a tackle. Um, in the second half, which happened right in front of me, and it was it was um, 
Whitehead and contacting with Junior Paulo. Now, I wouldn't say that Junior Paulo was really, um, you know, smashed or anything, but the actual, the, the sound, the contact was just like, it, it took your breath away. Mm. Yeah, there yeah, was no, a noticeable just, oh, from the crowd. Yeah, look, and, and that was Elliot Whitehead, I believe. And, yes. And, and that's my next thing is, look, he was man of the match the, the week before, um, and I'll, I'll stand up and say he, he got my three votes for that match as well. He might not have looked the flashiest there, but, gee, he's in everything, and he's hard as nails, and he's completely applied, and he's just, like, really leading the boys into the fray. I, I've been so impressed with the way he's gone out and done there. I also loved um, Sia coming out of the line and smashing the young eels, um, 5'8", who was trying to be pretty and, and dancing. Yeah. And the old man comes in and just says, <laughs> no, son, no, son, you're taking too much time. Um, obviously, another highlight was zero points. No yes. points conceded. That I mean, was brilliant. This is, the thing is that people will say is, um, you know, the eels were, you know, completed poorly. They dropped the ball. They had mm. a lot of errors. But uh, how much was just the line speed mm. and the aggression a and factor in that? Yeah, I think it was a large bit. And another part in the zero points too was, um, and I still can't believe that I saw it, but I did, was uh, CNK's tackle on a rampant runaway Terrapo. And it was, they had no, no right to stop him. Like there was no chance he was going to stop him from the line. So when he went down and tackled, yeah. I thought, oh, how did he that? And I thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter because he's just going to get up. And then there was three Raiders on him straight away. And then the Eels passed into touch. And I thought... That's the sort of thing, that's the sort of moment you build a season on because it tells players, it tells all the players, don't give up because it's still on here. Well, that was really evident. And I think, you know, you could see that, um, you know, the, the cliche is defence is an attitude, but I think it does actually, it does actually apply. And you can mm. see until, you know, the 80th minute that they were determined to maintain mm. their focus and their defence. And, you know, whenever there was a, a, a good sort of shutdown or something like that, they were all in there. Slapping each other's backs and stuff. Yeah. But it's inspiring to see. It's nice yeah, to it see. Is. And it was also nice to see Mitchell Moses lose. I mean, I probably <laughs> I shouldn't be think that's a wonderful thing or anything like this. But it was nice. It was good. Um, look, but uh, before we go any further, there were great things about the match and things that I really liked. But, of course, there was something that ground my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And do you know what ground my gears this week? No idea. Like, no idea. People slagging off the, the Raiders' results so far. So, look, here's, here's one of the things that I tweeted on, on what was in the match, which after five rounds in 2018, we had conceded as a team 122 points and we were one win and four losses. This season, in the same amount of matches, we've only conceded 44 points. That is the best defence so far in the NRL and we are four wins and one loss. And people kept coming back and saying, oh, yeah, but look who you played. To which I pointed out the same sides we lost to last year <laughs> and who scored lots and lots of points. So, yes, we still have, uh, to quote Tony Charles, we still have many rivers to cross. You know, we still have many rivers to cross. But you know what? If I can't be happy for the, the, the massive improvement between, you know, in a 12-month period, then I don't know what. And it grinds my gears. Yeah. Like, it grinds my gears. Obviously, beating crap sides is mm. a lot better than um, losing to losing the crap <laughs> sides. I mean, I mean, who else wasn't flawed when we lost that last-minute try to um, the big unit at the Gold Coast? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Conrad Hurrell when he went over. Who yeah. wasn't destroyed when that happened? Who wasn't destroyed when um, Johnson went down the field and scored not one but two field goals to, to win the unlosable match for I know, us? and we had zero line speed in that game as well, and that's why they were able to do it. Yeah, so. they were able to do it, and, and these were things. And this or we season, had zero line speed because we were completely knackered. stuffed. Yeah, yeah, but, and, but this year, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're winning those matches. And we're they fitter, might be ugly. we're smaller. Yeah, fitter and smaller, we're faster, and all of a sudden we might be ugly 
in the way we're winning it. But at the beginning of the season, who cares how you get the freaking two points? No one remembers that shit, you know? Are you calling for a uh, coaching extension for Ricky Stewart? Absolutely. Yet, <laughs> I'm calling for a coaching extension. <laughs> ten more years. For Ricky ten more years on his contract. He's, he's clearly done the right reins here. I think McFadden coming in um, has McFadden, also been good. very but, good. But very good. long-time listener uh, Byron has come in and he said, what about the Ennis effect? He said, what about the Ennis effect? Are we seeing the effects of Ennis coming in and niggling and improving the side in that regard? Blake? It's possible, isn't it? Mm. It's possible. Mm. He's, he's showing them a few dirty tricks. He is. He is. And, and you know what? I don't mind a little bit of dirt. No, I've actually... The other thing I've quite enjoyed is um, is Ennis um, on Fox and stuff. Just just actually having such a pro-rated voice on there. He's, it is nice. And he's, Ennis is quite entertaining. He's, he's quite funny. Yeah, oh, yeah, he is. Unless, of course, he's against you, in which case it's dreadful. <laughs> Who is not entertaining, though? And I also tweeted this. Yes, people, I am the mock. I wasn't at the ground. Oh, I forgot um, to mention that. Yeah. But I was watching the entire thing, um, and I wasn't at the ground for one reason or another. Good reasons, too. Um but watching on and just listening to Greg Alexander, the ex-Panthers player, talking about it. Now, after I did my tweet about it, it became very apparent, uh, clear that, you know, Greg Alexander does not like the Raiders in any way, shape or form. Lots of other supporters, Dragons, no, Eels, Manly supporters came out and were also on board saying he doesn't like them at all. But it was like he really could barely find a positive thing to say about the Raiders at all. And, and a lot of people say, well, that's why he's called the old flog. But, you know, I just want to say to you, Greg, and I know you're listening because I know you love the Raiders podcast and you're always on there. You know, 1990, it was 29 years ago, mate. But also, too, to move also on. too, the thing is, he got his revenge in 1991. Yeah. So the other person who used to be on Fox Sports who I thought hated the Raiders even more than Greg Alexander mm. was Wayne Pierce. But he really had a he really had an axe to grind because he didn't have... Yeah. Alexander yeah, won yeah. the, and the look, redemption next back year. Wayne Pierce, 89, you know... Yeah. And look, there's Wayne Pierce is a, a great amongst the game for mine. One of the only sad things about the 89 grand final was seeing him down in the haunches because there's a man who deserved a premiership. He was a good, honourable man, a tough player. He was absolutely brilliant. I've never done anything but loved Wayne Pierce. Am I glad we won in 89? Yes, but that's not one of the reasons for it. So I can sort of understand that he doesn't like it and probably doesn't like Maguire at all either because, you know, when Maguire pushes Steve Walters into the oncoming defenders, I mean, you know, what were you meant to do about that? It was definitely using the man as a shepherd. So, you know, they could do it. But, yeah, Greg Alexander's efforts on the weekend was just, like, quite interesting. And the other interesting thing about it was the amount of people who came out of the woodwork to say how much they disliked him as a commentator. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't say. I've, I've, I've been aware of his, uh, his hatred for the Raiders for... <laughs> For many many years and yeah well it, I wasn't surprised I wasn't surprised it was yeah it was very interesting but um, I don't dis I don't think he's a terrible commentator though mm. in the way that some of the like that Cowboys game the standard of the um, some of the the Queensland commentators mm. Justin Hodges and Brent Tate they are appalling in yeah. fact I've gone so far as to say can you name a single Queensland um, media identity rugby league commentator who doesn't sound like a complete buffoon? Ooh, Billy Moore. I knew you were going to say Billy Moore. Billy Moore, great man, and he's great he's, friend he's, of the show as well. He's 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 borderline okay, but you you stack them all up and Clint you. Clint He's I good. I don't hear him doing a lot of commentary. He's um, on ABC. You Belch, don't Gary, ABC. Gary Belcher, I love. Of course, yeah, of Gary course Belcher. you got to love the badge. And Gary Belcher is actually quite intelligent and articulate, which is an outlier amongst Queenslanders because <laughs> most of them tend not to be. Look, I've I mean, a you, very soft spot for Kevy Walters, you know. He's a, he's a life yeah, member of the Canberra Raiders. Let's he's not, not too that. bad. 
Although Lock he'd forgotten that when I raised it with him. I said, you're still a life member of the Raiders. And he went, oh, yeah, I am. And I'm like, oh, good, good. We shouldn't take that name down off the board anytime soon. Lockyer and, Lockyer and, uh, and Wally Lewis, though, are terrible. Absolutely terrible. Channel 9, terrible. There's a whole thing about having Foxtel co- coverage is you generally could escape that sort of that, mm-hmm. that terrible pro-Broncos or Cowboys or whatever Queensland bias. Yep. And now um, Foxtel have gone the same way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And look, and that's... And I don't think their commentary, by definition, speaking of someone who does it and has absolutely had howlers and done really, really miserable commentary at times, and you know, taking that home. I think one of the greatest skills of a commentator is completely forgetting the howlers that you made. You know, when you called a player the wrong name and they corrected you on air or, or something like that. That's a special skill, one I haven't managed to develop. But I know a lot of the commentators. The num- the best thing they do is have a short term memory where they literally don't remember what they did. Yeah. And in Greg Alexander's case, he doesn't have a Twitter account, so we can abuse him as much <laughs> as we want, but he ain't listening, and that's that's pretty clever. So, But amongst everything, there are definitely reasons to be cheerful, Blake. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. One, two, three. And, what, what were they? And the reasons to be cheerful, well, there were a number of them. First off, I don't think there were too many people in green who did not enjoy uh, Blake Ferguson's nose. Do you know, this is, look, this is the thing. I don't actually really have that sort of hatred for Blake Ferguson that um, a lot of other people do. I'm actually have been quite. I mean, obviously the, the the sexual assault allegation is a bit of a shocker, mm. but outside of that, I don't have a big axe to grind with him because unlike um, you know Carney or um, Josh Dugan or even um, Milford, the club hadn't invested a lot in him to make him what he was in the first place. At the end of the day, we poached him from the Sharks. And we were able to get him from the Sharks because Ricky Stewart got sacked and he had a clause in his contract that said, mm. if, if Ricky Stewart goes, well, then my contract is null and void. And we took advantage of that. So yeah. I, don't, I don't hold a lot against him. On the other hand, you know, Josh Dugan, yes, I do still, still, you know, bear a bit of bitterness and resentment. A bit of bitterness and resentment. But um, have you seen him? My God. He's so bad now. Yeah. He's so fat and slow. And have you seen that Cronulla Sharks are stuck with him? Not even for this season. They've, they've, they signed him for another two seasons on, inverted commas, fullback money. Fullback they, money. They're stuck with him for another two years. So they're probably packing him off to Norby's, just hoping. Yeah, yeah. So they're hoping they'll they'll give, gives them a reason. Go to the toilet. So, yeah, yeah, do something. Give them a reason they can tear up his contract because he is bad, man. He is really bad. Really? And that stupid hair does not help. I, I actually quite liked the hair because it just draws more attention to the fact that Josh Dugan is, in fact, Josh Dugan. One of, one of my favourite things when I was working in the political sphere um, in the media was um, there was an interview for the 2004 election where the interviewer asked, um, is, uh, you know, like, should the Australian voters be concerned that a vote for John Howard is actually a vote for Peter Costello? And Peter Costello said they should be more concerned that a vote for Mark Latham is a vote for Mark Latham. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I found that hilarious at the time, and I actually laughed, and I probably shouldn't have because we were on air. But, um, you know, just the, the thing is, you know, like, Josh Dugan just outing himself as Josh Dugan is, you know, it was awesome. And, and that mullet and the tats, and, I, I mean, I hadn't really, you know, people in glass houses should not throw stones. I'm not going to draw attention to anyone's massive girth because I'm still featuring a fair bit myself. Um, but, you know, yes, you're right. When it comes right down to it, and Todd Carney I don't put in that area, but and Anthony Milford I don't, but I definitely, definitely would forgive Blake Ferguson before I forgive Josh Dugan. Yeah, look, he was. Just, I think he was just a bit, um, you know, a bit of a troubled soul. 
when he was at the Raiders, and look, maybe he still is to an extent. Look, Speaking of other former the, Raiders, the issue is that he just wasn't likable in my interactions with Josh. Oh Dean, yeah, he just didn't even attempt. And yeah, I'm, I know I'm in the media, and I know that that brings with it, you know, your stuff, but. He didn't attempt anything but, you know, a superior hostility at any time. And it was painful and it was annoying. And when the other stuff came down as it was, it was very hard to feel anything yeah. but animosity towards him. Yeah. Um, the other one I was going to talk about, another former Raider mm. from that time. It's it's a great story and a redemption story. Sander Earl. Sandor. Played on, played on, on Friday. First game in six seasons or whatever. Yeah. Did you see his performance? I did not. I did it, not. it may be he may not play another game. Oh, was that bad? Yeah. Was that? It was, there were there was a lot of um, uncharacteristic uh, errors. Look, I know you wouldn't expect from a storm player. Obviously, I know he's not perfect, and I know that he did things wrong. I understand that, but he came clean and he worked with the investigators on that peptides. And his reward for having that amount of honour in doing that sort of stuff was a four-year suspension. While other players got three matches, two of which mostly weren't even in the proper season. I thought that whole thing stank. Yeah. I think the people who oversaw that should hang their heads in shame. That was it. Teaches every kid who watches the game. Don't don't work with the uh, the investigators. No. Don't come clean. Don't do anything. Be completely bad because if you do come out, we are going to smash your head in a car door repeatedly. Whereas the other guys who were uh, yeah, got, didn't do got, anything whatsoever got whacked with a feather instead of a bloody uh, and, baseball bat. And, and two seasons later, walked off with a premiership. You yeah. know, and you think to yourself, well, and I, that was the one year. Oddly enough, they weren't over the cap. Really, the one year they yeah weren't they, over the cap? they were over the cap prior to the premiership yeah. and after the premiership, but just miraculously they weren't. They went out. Speaking of salary caps mm. and things like that, mm. um, obviously there's been the big news this week that uh, Greg Inglis has yeah. retired. Yeah. And all of a sudden that means South Sydney are going to have a whole lot of money in mm. their salary cap to play with. Which is odd because when Manly was trying to do the same thing with um, uh, uh, Brett Stewart... They, yeah. they weren't allowed to. Well, it's typical NRL. They, they make up the rules on the run and, you know, these and are I know things. It's, I know it's manly, so it's sort of funny because it's manly, but it's just not fair. Well, it's the same thing with, with, um, with, uh, bloody, what's his name? Um, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Anthony Watmay. Oh, Watmay. <laughs> Whether or not you, the, these medical retirements and, yeah, yeah. you know, do you want people to retire? Because there was talk that um, Bulldogs were trying to get Kieran Foran to retire. Oh, same thing be. if you, you have someone who's, who's basically busted. Yeah. And they're still on this huge salary cap. Well, from the player's point of view, you know, you may as well go through the motions for two more years if you're guaranteed a million yeah, yeah, dollars yeah. a year. But then yeah, the yeah. clubs are trying to get them to finish early. So then you say, hey, we'll offer you this very high paid role. It's very it's very dodgy. But anyway, what I was getting to is South's going to have all this money in the salary cap. Now, there's talk that they're going to try and get James Roberts down from the Broncos. And Who's maybe he was currently to... sitting on the extended bench for the Broncos. Yeah. Well, it, there's a lot of issues there, and obviously he probably has quite a good relationship. James Roberts with issues? No. <laughs> I, I really tell I me think, more about this. He's he, I think he was. Issues. I think he was from Souths originally as well. I think that I was actually his was. junior club. Yeah, um, South Penrith, I believe. He yeah, went through. There were a few, uh, but obviously he has a relationship with with Wayne Bennett. What I'm getting all this through is Souths have a lot of money to spend on an outside back. Mm. Are we concerned that Jordan Ruppiner still remains unsigned beyond this year? Of course we are. Because I'm starting to worry. You're starting to worry. I am starting to worry. You're starting to worry. Well, look, Jordan Rappiner has to I never thought that he would not re-sign, but the fact that it's now gone so long and he still remains unsigned, pretty much the only real player beyond the season. Of note. Real player. Of note. (laughs) Yeah, but here's the thing. 
he's going to be starting looking at this. He's settled in Canberra. The results are starting to be good. Well, he said he's come out and said he wants to stay in Canberra. His partner's from Canberra, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, yeah, if the team's going well, so you start thinking again, hey, we're building towards something here. Yeah, but now. Then I don't also like Clint Gutherson walking around at Parramatta saying, well, I'm turning down those offers and I'm now in the open market. No, Parramatta just come out and improved their offer because their initial offer was an insult. Oh, yeah, it was an insult. He's a great player. He is, he is a great player. I did raise him when he was on the market at Manly. I raised him with uh, John Bonacera, the Raiders football manager, and he shrugged his, his arms like, yeah, who? And I'm like, uh, I thought you watched football. You know, but apparently he didn't. Anyway, he's up working for Manly now, so you know who John John who who know. Anyway, more reasons to be tearful. Eight points out of a possible reasons 10. to be tearful or cheerful. Cheerful. <laughs> Eight points out of a possible ten. Ryan Sutton really starting to come into his own because yeah. the first few matches I was thinking, what's going on here? But really good. And only ten more wins required to make the twenty-eight points to make the finals. And uh, this time last year, we needed fourteen more wins to make the finals. So that's pretty good. So um, we should sort of do a bit of a preview leading mm. into the um, the mm. game against the Broncos. Should obviously um, it's the big game, Channel Nine game. So hopefully yeah. Wally and and Lucky they'll all be down. Oh, they'll be there Easter Sunday. Hopefully there'll be a big crowd as well. One could only hope. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we should go in pretty confident, but obviously the Broncos, you know, they've always got potential in there. I'm the Jew. Look, and this is the thing, and I know we keep saying that about sides we're coming up against that they're due, but let's let's have a look at this. Joe Hoff and Garway in the front front row with uh, Payne Haas. Now, these two are young men who've got a lot to prove and will be stinging from the fact that their side's getting beaten a lot. In between them is McCulloch, who I know hasn't been getting much out of dummy half recently, but he's a good hooker. He's a good, solid hooker. He's a great player. In the back row, you've got Gillette and Glenn. Now, they miss a few tackles, but they are world-class second rowers. Like, they're yeah. not just good, they're great. And the young David Fafita, not Andrew's twin brother, but another David yeah. Fafita, has shown some no real relation. promise at um, at lock. So that's good. Cody Nicarima at seven. Yeah, no, okay. He's is he the world's greatest halfback? No, but he's actually been their their best one. He's breaking the line. He's doing good things, and he's applying himself. So he's not the problem. Anthony Milford. Well, he's due. Is he not due a big match? Well, of course. You know, Milford, and especially does play well against the Raiders, mm. and will we'll be out to impress um, the big. Out though that works in our favour is um, Tevita Pangai Jr. Because again, he's someone else who would be really up for a big game against the Raiders. But again, the Raiders also know that his deficiency is generally defence on the line. Yeah. Which other sides have started realising, yeah, he can put on a big hit. But if he's in a line, dive at his legs because when he was in the in the uh, Toyota Cup side, you know, they always ran at him and they always got through because Tevita didn't get down low. But what, ultimately, you know, why do you think we let him go? Did Ricky... What, I think what? he was asking for a lot of money. Yeah. And, and the Raiders weren't going to pay that amount of money for, for that particular player at that stage. I also think Tavita wanted to go and saw the bright lights of Broncos and wanted to be there. That is a that is a big draw card. Of course. and, and Of course. And that's, you know, when it comes down to Milfords and everyone else, like, you know... And that's the problem with recruiting good players from Queensland because if they do turn out to be superstars... Well, let's remember that he is, in fact, from the Newcastle area. He's not from oh, I know. that area. So, I know. And we got him down from Newcastle. Yeah, I know. We brought him down. So With his family, his whole family. And I think his parents still yeah, live in Canberra. And mum was teaching them at Arendelle College. So, And apparently they were nice young men. I beg, beg to differ, but there you go. But look, he's not there. Jack Bird in the number four. There's uh, there's a player who's playing for his career this season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's, he's actually... Been going okay from what I've seen. He's oh, like, he's, I have said that. I take that back. He's like bombed like three tries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he bombed one last week. <laughs> yeah. Tony Staggs has pushed out James Roberts. 
who's on the extended bench in jumper number 20. Um, but Stags looked pretty good. Oates and Azarko on the wings are bloody brilliant. Yeah. They are absolutely brilliant. And, and at some stage, Darius Boyd has to be interested in something. Well, they're, they're probably trying to medically retire him as well. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, medically retire. And then, then you've got Jaden Sewer on the bench is the only one I recognise. We've got Shabaski. Shabasaki, sorry, and we're Flegler and we got Carrigan on the bench. Oh, and Sean Fensom comes back on the extended bench and jumper number 18. So him and Patrick Mago also oh, do you remember, do, made do, the do, do you remember um, when he came back and was playing for the Cowboys? Mm. And um, it was that game when they sort of started that run, you know, yeah, the, the Morgan cold, run. Yeah, yeah. He ran for over 200 metres that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, wait, I've never seen him do that before. He was the funniest <laughs> person in the world to interview on the field. And I stopped doing it after the third time. You go up. And you'd ask him a question, and he would look absolutely petrified. He'd string together three or four cliches, and he'd look at you like, is that okay? <laughs> and then I'd ask him a second question just to torment him, and he hated that. But he was a really nice young man, a really, really I don't, nice yeah, I don't, young I don't man. Think, I don't think his character's ever been in doubt. No. no, he was, but it was funny. It was really, really funny. Before we go for this week, mm. um, Jack Whiten, yeah. how do we think he's going? Like, so good in some ways, and still... Rocks and diamonds. I he mean, needs to work on his kicking. That's clear. Not his bombs, though. His, no, his, his bombs are his, fine, but his, his kicks his, for touch. His massive bombs. We haven't had a player. I can't remember the last time we had a player that was putting up. Oh, I guess Campo. Austin could put ones up that were pretty yeah, high. Yeah, I guess Campo could put up good ones. But his his bombs are a real feature. Yeah. And they troubled, they troubled the Eels a lot. Yeah. Uh, Look, I think he's doing well. And defensively, he's good. He's missed one crucial tackle, and that was Jesse Ramian. I'm going to forgive someone for missing a tackle on Jesse so I was, I was He's looking, a good player. I was looking at his tackles from the game against um, Eels. He made 28 tackles, mm. and he only missed one. Mm. And um, that was the fourth most of anyone in the side. Mm. And it was basically 28 tackles with as many as the rest of the backs all made put together. Yeah, His defense is a real feature. And obviously, yeah. and that's you know, why he's there. And yet, having a fullback, he, he makes a few bone rattlers a game. Mm. But, you know... In the new setup, having him defending in the line, he's making 28 tackles, and a lot of those are really bloody yeah. bone rattling, crunching tackles. So his defense is such a feature, obviously, having him in the line and, and look, is an and, advantage. And the other thing about that, too, is last season we had either Aiden Caesar or um, we had either Aiden Caesar or we had Austin. Austin on either side. And so they had to be defended, you know, like yeah. by their own players, they had to be guarded by their own players. And this season, we've only really got Sammy Williams that's in the place. And if you actually look at Sammy Williams' stats, I mean, like he, he ran for, he did a try assist, he had a tackle break up there, which is all really good. But his tackle success is 88%, 7 out of 8. And that was the real concern for the coach this season was, would Sammy be able there to were stand a couple up and make of, the, There were a couple of poor decisions. Um, I'm sure there were. Against his Cowboys where he, he came out of the line. And, and yeah. one of the theories I read from... Um, Dan from the Sportress, who writes very good yeah. articles, yeah. Uh, was that he doesn't back have faith in his ability to defend on the line because he's not going to be able to you know force them back. So he yeah, yeah. rushes out to try and. But he has to remember that. he's got John Bateman and Elliot Whitehead on either side of him, so he really has to back the that in that if yeah. they're going to target him, he's got to understand that those guys are going to try and kill the other person there. And and look, I think he is, and I think his last tackle options have been pretty good. I think the fact that he's running to the line too and testing it puts a, a different perspective on other sides. So, look, I, I think he's doing really well. I do hurt a little bit for Aiden Caesar being held out of the side now when he's fit. Um, but you don't change a winning side. No. You don't want change you a winning go, side. I, I thought that against the Eels there was a chance that Ricky was going to put Caesar back in, but I was glad that he didn't. Because I think Sam Williams had done nothing wrong. 
Yeah, no, Sam Williams has done nothing wrong. That's that's the that's the way it's got to go. So, how, how do you see the match going this weekend? Hopefully, we'll bash them up the middle like we seem to be doing every week. It's interesting, you know. Um, our attack has looked a bit a bit clunky at times, but you know the defense is so good, it hasn't yeah. mattered. And hopefully, like you know, if you look at it's a big comparison, but how the Roosters built their season yep. last year, I think it's a spot on comparison. The defense was rock solid, and the attack. Yeah, took a while took to a while come to together, going. and yeah. look at it now—it's it's sparkling. But also, you know, with so many new combinations with yep. attack, yeah, with Whiten at, at five eight and a new fullback who, I'd say, is still doing very very well, and again, was in the top, you know, two or three players. Mm. Look, and I think the the number one thing for the Raiders at the present moment is however you get the two points, however you get the two points. I don't care if they're ugly on the back of the most controversial decision of all time. Um, I'm sick of moral, you know, like yeah. moral superior losses. I don't care if we carry a couple of ones where, gee, we robbed that side. And if we can, by the time the end of round 10, when we go into the origin period, be up in the in the eight, or I dream of still in the four, that's a launching pad for after origin to actually get some of that form. And let's remember, the run into 2016 was built on a post-origin run of form where that yeah. side clicked. And that really is, and that's, that's how the Roosters got it together. Yeah, well, we won't have too many people out for origin too, of course, which is the advantage of having all the poms. Obviously, and um, yeah, Papali will be... He'll go to Queensland, there's he'll no be, question. His form if, is superb. If he's not the first pick forward for pick for Queensland, yeah. you will not know. watching football. No, yeah, exactly. Um, Jack Whiten could be a bolter, though, in the centres. That's what I'm thinking. Well, now that Laurie Daly's not a selector, yeah, the Raiders players are back in, in contention for the New South Wales jerseys. Yeah, right. And obviously, um, Nick Kotrick, I think, is a big chance for a wing spot as well. I think Nick needs to buckle down, not worry too much about the New South Wales Blues jersey at this present moment and worry very much about his green one. Bailey Simonson is sitting right behind your son and the kid can finish. Anyway, so that has been a wonderful episode of uh, Raiders View with Blake and the Pork, which has dubious following and support from the Greenhouse, the number one fan site for the Raiders. Get on it and start arguing with people. Strangers, always good to do. Um, I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And uh, thanks. <laughs>